0: What if you could measure your employer brand as a single number? What if you could track it over time? We do that! It's called the Employer Brand Index. Continuously measuring what's positive and negative about you as an employer from a candidate perspective is the key. The Employer Brand Index helps you measure your employer brand and validates your perceptions or draw up a few surprises, both good and bad. The Employer Brand Index works best when done over time to see how things are changing. Some companies use it as a baseline before they launch their EVP. Others add in some talent competitors to see how they stack up. Stay on top of your employer brand. Go to EmployerBrandIndex.co to learn more.
1: Hey sans, it's Jorgen Samberger with the Employer Branding Podcast, brought to you by your friends here at Link Humans, fine purveyors of data-driven Employer Brand Insights. Today, we're talking to a tech business, which we uh, all know, and whose products we use daily. We are going to discuss the concept of authentic brands, dig into the EVP framework of this company, and we'll chat about their challenge with virtual events. So let's start the show. Hey, Mary, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello, thank you for having me
1: pleasure. So uh, let us know who you are and
2: uh, what you do. So hi, I'm Mary Streitzel,
0: And yep, as corny as it sounds, I have that privilege and opportunity to lead Google's employer brand. And again, super excited to be here and talking about employer brand because I'm a dork like that. But more importantly, also me and my team and Googlers everywhere. You're going to hear this a lot today. We build for everyone. We code, we create, we design, we build the talent, the tech of Google. And can I add at Google scale? And that's what we do. It's what I do.
2: Wonderful. Okay. So beyond the obvious consumer facing side, I'm thinking of search engine. How would you describe Google as a company?
0: I have to admit, this is a big question. Um, mm. Besides being your favorite search engine, besides making pretty dope products, I have to admit, obviously we're a huge information company and our mission, obviously, because I want to say this one a lot too, is to organize the world's information and make it universally, I will highlight that, universally accessible and useful. And we're kind of always working for that. That is Google's goal, as big and as mission statementy as it sounds, it's true. And so Google does that by building a more helpful Google. And yes, this also kind of sounds right from that press kit, but it's really true. Like we want to build a helpful Google for everyone. We want to increase the world's knowledge. We want more success, more health, more happiness everywhere. And that's kind of what
2: drives Google. That's the stuff that people don't get to see. Okay, right. So what might your talent challenge be at Google?
0: We're big. Everybody knows Google. And I am hashtag very blessed to get to work on this brand and help build it. But that doesn't mean because everyone knows us that we don't have challenges, right? One of them is that we really want everyone to see themselves at Google. We know that talent's everywhere. That's our context. We want to connect with that talent. We want to build a Google that reflects the world around us. And with that context, we know that those challenges exist, right? So we have one challenge of we hire all kinds of people for all kinds of roles, technical, engineers, research marketing, sales, HR people operations is how we like to call it. We really truly do have so many roles to meet so many different types of backgrounds. And that's one challenge is helping people understand that. And then my favorite challenge, because no matter what we do to work on it, I want to talk about it all the time, is that we know there are these memes in the world, right? That we only take candidates from XYZ University or you had to do something incredibly special or you had to have a degree in something else, which I love to pop out. Ahem, we don't actually require degrees, generally speaking. And so these memes that exist, these thoughts that exist, because we do have this huge brand, they're really hard to get rid of. It's discouraging for people. It's discouraging for all levels of talent to have these memes going around. And that's a challenge for us because we really do want everyone to find their role here, to see themselves. So we've got to show, not tell, as I tell. So please listen. (laughs) It takes everyone to build for everyone, right? So don't listen to voices holding you back. Find your place and find your place in places that maybe you didn't think you had a place. And that's kind of where I stand on that.
2: Yeah, because I'm sure I've read books and read articles about these uh, trick questions and some person had to go through 17 interviews and didn't get the job and so on. Are those sort of relics of the past? Uh, Mm -hmm. And now you're Telling story of of the present,
0: exactly right. And some things we did do, and some things we changed, and we're proud of the change. So yes, perhaps fifteen years ago, someone maybe had a question about ping pong balls in a school bus. We don't ask trick <laughs> questions anymore. It's been a long time. It turns out data shows us that it isn't helpful. Having more than four or five interviews is not generally helpful. So beyond having the data to prove it, and we are a data-driven company, we also just knew it wasn't great for culture, at least in how it shows up, and it's not helping everyone see themselves at Google. So we do what's effective and what's right, and that's one way that we've changed it, and it's the thing that I'm here telling you about, but we really do try to show it, because it is a big challenge. That meme of like different questions or 500 interviews, they really hurt us sometimes.
2: Tell us about your employer brand strategy, how that helps tell this message.
0: I have a very strong
2: opinion on this,
0: uh, mm. broadly on any building of a strategy for an employer brand. And I take it to work here at Google, which is you cannot build an employer brand without actually knowing the employer. Shocker, shocker, shocker. I know everyone out <laughs> there. But a lot of folks kind of stay in their lane, as somebody may say, and they don't really expand out. Our strategy and my kind of approach to it is that you have to ensure that you're doing the research internal and external about the company, that you're embedded with teams throughout the company or organization, that you're sharing info, right? Not only with folks on the ground working, but also with high-end leadership, making sure that you're aligned on that messaging and that you're always engaging with the culture impulse of the company as well. That's really our biggest part of our strategy is knowing more. With more data comes better outcomes.
2: Talk me through this. So uh, doing the research, what sort of research would you recommend doing?
0: So we're really, really big, as I said, on internal and
2: external. I
0: truly believe that all sides give you um, a bigger picture. So, for example, internally, testing that pulse, testing the adoption of your whether it's your EVP or your strategy documentation or the collateral that you're working with. Is it working with your company internally? Is it working with everyone? Are folks able to grab on and understand that EVP and share it with the world? You should be researching that. You should be actually providing studies and areas for folks to give you feedback. Externally, depending on how your brand is built, you're going to want to ask a lot of questions of people, quant and qualitative. And even if you don't have the funds of Google uh, or any large company, you should still be testing. There are still ways to get out there and ask folks what they understand of your brand to always benchmark how well you're doing.
2: Nice. OK. And then you mentioned something about embedding the strategy with uh, many teams throughout the company. How how would you go about doing that?
0: I like this question because you kind of caught me in a classic corp speak. And that's okay. That's okay. I I, I hear you. When I say embed, it it means talk and don't stay away from. So at Google, obviously, we have products, we have services, um, we have other bets even that you may have heard of. We have other organizations. Mm -hmm. Are you communicating with those folks? Let's say you're in a really small company and you got sales and A&R, wherever you've got, are you talking to those teams and understanding how work is going Are they experiencing the EVP that you're pushing externally? And if they're not, something might be wrong with what you're doing. You do have to kind of think about the real case and the real scenario of life. And so for us, it shows up as constantly making sure that we're communicating to teams and that we're making sure that we're aware of the freshest, newest stuff, things that are changing, but also just keeping good relationships with folks outside of your immediate sphere of influence.
2: Yeah, because you mentioned uh, sharing info with the leadership and uh, ICs. First of all, what's ICs? And then also, how do you share with with these people? I'm
0: so bad. I did it again. Corp speak. So ICs are individual contributors. You're non-managers. Of course, yes. The folks working, thank you. Always call me out on that, on anything, please. And so, for example, I I like to start with that because I truly believe, and you might hear more because I love to talk about user-generated content, but your employees are your advocates, right? So you do wanna share with them your mission. (laughs) Maybe they wanna talk on your behalf, always welcome that. And so when I was talking about research, I think it's important that internal research, we actually ask folks, is this um, EVP statement? Is the collateral that maybe they can use on LinkedIn, is it helpful to them? And that's at the IC approach, you should then also ask leadership. I I always, this is a merry thing, not a Google thing necessarily, but I always say just push, the ICs, the individual contributors, and your highest level of leadership still get up in the morning. If you'd ask the IC or the contributor that question, go ask leadership. They are engaging as well with the company, just in a different way. But beyond getting them to use your EVP and to figure out if it works for them, perhaps the more you talk to them, the more you embed yourself with leadership and share information, you're actually influencing the way they do business as well it's just important to do that. It's important that they know what you're working on as
2: well. That's uh, absolutely something uh, I would uh, agree with. And you mentioned earlier about scale. Is there a way to uh, share this with leadership and our individual contributors at scale to sort of test the collateral? And because you can do that with uh, the people around you and they'll mention what they like and don't like, but how do you do that globally, for instance?
0: That's a challenge. It always is. Um, yeah. And I think first it takes recognizing that anything at large scale, particularly global, will not always work for all, for all markets or all people. And right. that's a big kind of learning for myself and our team over the last five years or so is, hey, just because you made something that you thought was very global and you had lots of input on, it might not work in every country or every market or for every place or person. So there's that first one. But To get it out there at scale, you do have to find interesting ways to embed yourself, like I said, into teams. And perhaps one thing that's worked for us is actually creating working groups. It's a small thing. It's right off the top of some folks' head as a strategy. But if you actually have representative employees or leaders or whoever they may be come in with a shared goal or vision. So for us, it's about how do we make sure that this EVP and Build for Everyone works for all of Google and works with their external partners, whether those are potential employees and Googlers or sales folks, how is it working? And making sure that that's going on, but more broadly, giving them resources and continually checking back. So for example, we have those working groups that share that information, let us know when it's not working. And then that informs our huge website that really holds all of that information is available to all over 120,000 Googlers worldwide. And I know I rambled a bit. So if you have a follow-up, Always let me know.
2: Now, I want to move on to this EVP. So you have mentioned it a few times now. So break it down for us, Mary. What is the EVP and how did you arrive at it?
0: Okay, so one, I hope you've heard it. But two, mind blown, I think you have. Build for <laughs> everyone. I highlight how simple that is because it's really important. It's somewhat similar to Google's mission statement, right? To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. It's a core idea. Build for everyone. That's it. And you can go back to it, whether you're in business, whether you're in the product space, whether you're in employer marketing, staffing, and ask yourself, is this helping build for everyone? And you can usually find some guidance there. So we knew that we wanted something that was helpful. Low key, high key, real talk from Google, we want to be helpful. It goes down to our EVP. It goes to what we want from our products and what we want from our services even goes to like the content for job seekers or anyone that should be really helpful. We want all of that to be helpful. It's more fun, it's real, leads to great outcomes, my favorite statement. So we knew that Build for Everyone at least encapsulated that level of helpfulness and particularly the layer that we want representation. And we want that to be thoughtful throughout. We build for billions, we build for everyone. And finally, kind of the other big chunk of build for everyone is that it relies really heavily on the concept of authentic. And what do I mean by that? We ran out and said, build for everyone, build for everyone, but none of our products or we never worked for everyone. (laughs) And we were in out of large markets or we clearly weren't doing something. We'd get called on it. And that's good because you do want to build for everyone. You want that. And if I have any advice when it comes to authentic, which is a total buzzword, it's that Mm -hmm. brands have to just go ahead and admit it your business. Tell the truth. That's what we do. And then let your users tell the story a little bit more. That's authenticity in my
2: mind. Nice. Okay, so let's move on to that storytelling and tell us how you activate the employee brand.
0: I mention build for everyone a lot and how that's about helpfulness and it's obviously all related. And for us, a goal that's tied back to that and a huge goal is to reach people where they are. So part of that is we attend, we hold, we participate in thousands of events and programs each year in communities all over the world. It's one way we kind of just show up and activate that. Another is, and it's really tied to kind of my belief system, is just-in-time marketing. It's key. You have to be flexible and helpful, especially if you're at Google, by giving folks job resources, give them slices of life of what it's like to work for you when it's best for them. So for us, that means talking to folks via social campaigns during those times of the year that we notice that applications or searches are up. When we see increased engagement online, knowing that this is the time that people need us, make sure that you're giving them what they're asking for. And of course, shocker, we partner all across Google to tell stories. So that's another way we really put out Build for Everyone. And you should see it from Sundar to VPs or SVPs throughout the company. We really do put Build for Everyone out there. And we tell stories about coding competitions or the grow with Google initiatives in our products. So those are all the ways we kind of try to get it out there. But finally, we, l- we have to take the lens that all of our campaigns take a user first approach. So we would prioritize user and Googler, that's your employee, <laughs> generated content. We want people to see what building for everyone looks like. So we believe that having other folks show, not tell works really
2: well. Interesting. So um, give us an example of what that would look like if I were someone looking at a role at Google. Where would I find it and uh, what sort of content would it be?
0: I'll use an example from the summer. And this is representative of how we do most of our kind of campaigns, but it's at a particular scale. So when we we do something around National Intern Day, Um, we call it International Intern Day because how we have to include, we want to include everyone, excuse me. And we take a really integrated approach. So if you were someone who's curious, now a National Intern Day we know is really a time when a lot of schools, students globally want to share that love, their pride, their happiness, um, whatever they're going through. So we jump on that. We activate our interns during this time. And you can kind of search the hashtag National Intern Day or look at our channels. And you'll see, we don't very often tell that story. We let our interns talk. We let... Others that have been through this process, former interns like um, SVP Jen Fitzpatrick, let them tell their story of what it was like to be an intern, what role they took or are in, and let them describe it in their words. So now when you're a user, perhaps you're about to graduate college, you don't have corporate brand Google saying, come work for a good company. We've got it all for you. You have someone who hopefully looks like you saying, oh, I applied and like I have this great internship and here's how it went and you feel perhaps more likely to take a chance and make that application.
2: When you mentioned in, interns and Google, you know, I'm thinking about the movie, Vince Vaughn. So long ago, why? <laughs> <laughs> Another relic from the past. Okay. All right. So uh, what, what about these, these virtual events? So, um, this has been the year of virtual events and I get the sense that people are a bit tired of them. What, how can you, uh, keep them engaging and, uh, Make them interesting.
0: Oh, So that fatigue is real. The virtual fatigue is real. Everyone's tired of virtual events. And I say everyone, of course, I'm being hyperbolic, but I feel it. I'm a human being. And I, if I get one more invitation to something that I'm not sure what it is online, I'm going to lose it. So we know that that's real, though. We know that people yeah. want to take part in things that are happening that have an effect for them or meaning for them. But there's a ton of noise. So one, we're just trying to be strategic about who we reach out to and making sure that we have things that are available for everyone at any time. And that's a big thing and a big learning. Um, When you are in a marketing org, not necessarily saying that we are, but anyone, if you're in this marketing org that does lots of events or lots of reach out, this is a huge shift to go all virtual. You're very used to finding particular lists, working hard, and the whole system has changed. And we found out one kind of example is that Folks were not having this live, come see us at 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. It was just a lot to ask. So we knew that something that was critically important was open that up. Is there a reason why this has to be at a certain time or should this be accessible for all when it's best for them? Guess what? Turns out that's the case. Um, yes, you lose the, you know, one-on-one conversation. Sure. But think out of the box. We just did a veteran hiring event on G.co careers on air. And we said, you know what? What if we just had a few multiple live chats where people could ask us anything, but the materials were out forever and then they could enjoy them at their own leisure. That works wonderfully. It really helps people. And our chat and our live conversations were no less than they were when we planned things at, you know, concurrent times. So I really, really suggest thinking outside of the box, being creative. And again, dorky as it sounds, I know I'm going to say this a lot. Be user first.
2: What would they want? What does a job seeker need? I agree. So Mary, how do you uh, measure return on investment on employee brand?
0: Oh, metrics, data, it all matters. It really does. And I, I say that with a sigh because I think a lot of us get lost a bit in what are the best ones to use. So I, I can only speak for myself, but I consider this work to be the top of funnel. I, and I don't think many people would argue with me there. And then I think the great metrics that are related to hiring, to product, to other marketing outcomes really feed that top of funnel metric. So what does that mean? That means sentiment, engagement, The other metrics that reflect users holistically, those are your keys that drive our work. But then, in shocker, I've said this a few times, having those deep partnerships, being embedded with hiring, PR, product teams means you get more data. So that data that's coming through, whether that depending on what your goals are for your organization, if it's sales or if it's hiring numbers or if it's getting good press, that data helps you shape your strategy. And then that brings more information to the folks that you need it when they need it. Again, back to that kind of in-time marketing. So again, for us, it's really is that top of funnel is a consistent measurement. We are always checking how the user is engaging and acting on our content and the work that we do. And then we use that hiring product area and PR data to say, okay, now how is this larger strategy shaping
2: up? Okay, so what would be your... Top tips to employer brand professionals listening to this right now.
0: Okay, you're listening. You've waited for this moment.
2: The two. And I have down. to
0: admit, I had three and then one just got snatched from me, but that's okay because I still have two. All right. So the what, first what one the third one. What happened? <laughs> the third one I kind of already gave. So it was a great ah. talk, talking point about the virtual events. Um <laughs> it was gonna be like really figure out how to keep your community while you're apart. We talked about that. But a big one, and I wrote these down because I care. First one, 10 points to whoever guesses this one. Go deep, go deep within your organization to know the state of your EVP in practice. There's gold in them hills. You need the ideas, you need the data. And I'm gonna argue you kind of need the content from all of the other areas of your business. Shocker, I said that a lot today. Two, and this one probably requires more than I'm gonna say, but you can tell me if I need to explain. How your brand work? T- Towards aspirational goals, so that you are helping push the organization forward by being lockstep with growth. Now that has to do with being embedded. And what it basically means is don't be hindered by perhaps, you know, smaller thinking. Go big. Try to have aspirational goals that you know that the business is driving for five, 10 years down the road and that is right for your
2: employees. (laughs) Okay. So let me challenge you on number two though. So how do you marry that up with being authentic? If you get uh, called out by a candidate or even an employee saying, well, that's not the case right now.
0: Yes. And I love this. Well, one aspirational caveat is not, you know, the 10x moonshot goal that you hear so much about. It's realistic, but it has an aspiration to it. And the authenticity part comes from, and I think I said this earlier, tell the truth. No one thinks that you're a small brand. No one thinks that you're not a business. So talk about that. Even if your goals are aspirational, say that. It is absolutely okay to actually say, like, this is the team we want to be. And so if you're telling the truth, authenticity generally takes care of itself. And if you can't tell the truth, well,
2: take a pause. Right. Okay. So Mary, you've been doing this job for five years now.
0: Is that right? Yeah. That.
2: okay so what is it that makes your job so special
0: okay dorky mary alert i really really think employer employment brand space is pretty incredible i've come from a lot of different backgrounds before google whether it's marketing or diplomacy or all over the place and i've never really sat in a space a really rare space in my opinion where you sit between marketing you sit between ops you're somewhere in the hr world and also pr and blending all of that allows you to find these nuances and more than finding the nuances between these faces that kind of sit in employer brand you get to own them no one else wants to own those weird things no one else kind of wants to think about okay well this is the legal case but this is what we want to do brand sits in that really interesting space there that you get to own and i think It's got challenges and rewards, and the rewards are like, you can help shape the future of a company. You get to see a lot of great stuff. And I have not found a job that kind of sits so centrally and in such an interesting space before.
2: Okay. Well, interesting. You mentioned diplomacy there. I'm sure that was helpful when you developed the EVP.
0: It's come in handy quite a bit in my career. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
2: Yeah. Uh, So final question, Mary, where can our listeners connect with yourself and where can they go to learn more about uh, Google's employer brand?
0: Yes. So I accidentally pitched g.co slash careers on air. That's actually just one kind of virtual spot that we find ourselves on. But of course, you can find us on careers.google.com. I personally am in all the places you would expect, LinkedIn, et cetera. And then our channels, please check them out. I always like to highlight, we're a real team with real people doing real work, showing what it's really like to work at Google. So spend some time perusing on your favorite social, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at life at Google, or at Google students. Of course, Google on LinkedIn. And I think you'll see a lot of what we're up to.
2: Fantastic, this has been super useful. Thank you so much for your time today, Mary.
0: Thank you so much, I've had a blast.
1: Okay, there we go, folks. Be sure to reach out to Mary. You can, of course, search for her on your favorite search engine and you'll find her, I'm sure. You may want to consider subscribing to this podcast. You can do so at employerbrandingpodcast.com and as well on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, and all of those places. And if you really enjoyed it, why not leave a review to help us out? Right, speaking of web searches, what do candidates see when they Google and or Bing working for your company? How is your employer brand being projected externally on the web? Well, that is a question that we set out to answer when we invented link humans employer brand index our approach is to look at everything that's being said about you as an employer online that means every update every tweet every employer review every forum comment etc we collect it all and we analyze it all the data is then categorized into 16 distinct areas of your employer brand experience we call these attributes they are scored individually and together, they form the overall score, which really forms the reputation uh, of your company as an employer. Does that sound good? Well, why don't you just search for Employer Brand Index online to learn more? Or you could go to linkhumans.com to uh, find it there as well. That was it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and catch you soon. hey!
0: How do robots eat guacamole? No idea. With computer
2: chips.